let's be honest, middle managers tend to get a bum rap. Now, there's a long and winding history to why that may be the case, which we're not going to have time to get into today. But if you are a middle manager listening right now, you know what I'm talking about probably, and you probably also have stories to tell. In healthcare, people with supervisor as part of their job title or team lead are really there for a reason. And increasingly, it has less and less to do with managing what is, but managing, right along with the front lines and senior leaders, what could be. It's this critical piece of who's got a handle on the operational dimensions of change and quality improvement, and what can be done to further value and enhance the role of middle managers for quality improvement that we're going to talk about on this edition of WIHI. And I want to welcome you to WIHI, an online audio talk show from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. We come to you bi-weekly and also for later listening, you can find us on IHI.org and on iTunes. I'm your host and producer, Madge Kaplan, and I'm also IHI's Director of Communications. One thing I found out in shaping this program with our expert guests is that, is that a great deal more research is needed to better understand and articulate what middle managers contribute now to quality improvement and could do more of with the right encouragement and support. Now, a lot of the information and data points reside with all of you tuning to WIHI today and our guests who have some great perspectives to share from their vantage points. So, to introductions in just a moment, but first, here's IHI's John Gothier. He has some reminders about how to make the most of your time with us today. John. All right. Thanks, Madge. Uh, just a few items to point out to help everybody make the most of today's program. On the right of the screen is our chat window, and if you've tuned into WIHI before, you know about the great conversation that takes place in the chat. It's also where you can ask our panelists your questions, so make sure that your questions and comments are directed to all participants when Madge opens the floor to questions. This allows the panelists and your colleagues at WebEx at home to see all questions and comments being shared. Now, there are a few ways that folks have connected to WIHI today. If you're logged onto the computer and listening to the program by streaming audio coming through speakers or your headphones, you'll see a box in the top right-hand corner labeled Audio Broadcast. If you're on a less reliable internet connection, we recommend calling in on the phone. If you experience any audio issues, please send a quick message to the host in the chat, but a simple solution to any audio hiccups may be to pause the WebEx audio play player and then press play. If that persists, please let the folks at IHI Customer Service know. We have their number on the screen right now. Also, if you're hoping to get your hands on today's slide, I'll provide a direct download link in the chat. Tomorrow, they'll be posted at our archive over at IHI.org slash WIHI, along with today's chat and other helpful articles and resources mentioned by the guests. You can also email info at IHI.org, and they'll send them your way. And finally, we're always looking for ways to improve the listener experience here on WIHI, and we need your help for that. Please take some time after the program to fill out our quick survey and let us know how we've done. Back to you, Madge. All right. Thanks, John. If you like to tweet, please include at the IHI. That's our Twitter handle in your tweets. That way we always can enlarge the discussion. Now, those of you who are tuning in um, through uh, WebEx today, you'll notice we've got a poll going. We're going to get our show underway, but we please uh, we invite you to take part in the poll, and we'll take a look at the results uh, in just a little while. They're very relevant. It, it will also give us a sense of who's uh, on the call 
call with us today. If you are joining us by phone, you can get all the slides we'll be sharing today from info at IHI.org. And in just a few moments, uh, John Gothier will also just put in a quick link in the chat to all the materials we're using today. Okay, so to brief introductions, again, pay attention. This is a multitasking challenge to the poll as well. Um, joining us by phone is Stephanie Calcasola. She is the Director of Quality and Medical Management at Bay State Medical Center. She's accountable for the strategic planning, program development and operations for clinical quality, patient experience, and patient safety programs for Bay State Medical Center. Welcome, Stephanie. So glad you're with us. Thank you, Madge. Dave Munch serves as the lead of all clinical and lean healthcare engagements at Healthcare Performance Partners, or HPP. Dave previously served at, at I should say, Exempla Lutheran Medical Center as the Chief Medical Officer and Chief Quality Officer. He is also on the faculty for IHI. So glad you're with us, Dave. Glad to be here. Thank right. you, Madge. Okay, and a big welcome to IHI Senior Vice President Kate Armate, who oversees the development of innovative system designs to implement high-quality healthcare both in the U.S. and in resource-limited settings abroad. Among other responsibilities, Cater is also an internal medicine physician. So we're going to get started and keep your eye on that poll, and at some very uh, optimal moment, we'll, uh, we'll see uh, what we found out from all of you today. And thank you all for participating. So I'm going to start with Dave, because he really kind of got us going here. He wrote this blog, and uh, in just, a, again, in a moment, Vicki will chat in a link to this great blog uh, um, Dave wrote for IHI.org that really caught my eye and many of yours as well. Dave, you have a rich background as an internist as well and a hospital system administrator. So we need to know, how did you come to focus on middle managers? What have you seen that's made you, honestly, quite passionate, in fact, about this topic? And again, uh, we'll get that link to your blog up there. But uh, now you have Dave in person, not just in writing, to tell you what he's been thinking about. Thanks, Dave. Well, thank you, Madge. Uh, my interest in this subject came from, it started when I had the opportunity to be a hospital administrator at Lutheran Medical Center in Colorado. I was uh, responsible for some operations as well as performance improvement. And something I learned quickly about that is the, the, the quality and the safety of the care is ultimately determined by those people who give it, the frontline staff. And so looking at that, I said, who is their most direct support? Who is responsible for these people and supporting them in the ability to give high-quality care? Well, the answer is obvious, but it, it, the industry may not make this connection. Well, the answer is the people they report to their supervisor, their manager, people like that. So then I asked the question, what does a middle manager need to support them? Not only in the day-to-day -day care, but also in daily problem solving and in improvement itself. And then I would ask, do the managers have that? Do they have the support they need? Do they have the skills? Do they have the, the knowledge to be able to support the frontline staff in that provision of care? And what I found as I looked into that was, we weren't necessarily as intentional as we needed to be around the support and the development of and the roles of middle managers in that very important support duty for the frontline staff. And as I, I looked at the literature, I, I saw good amounts of literature in what boards need to do, good amounts of literature on what executive leaders need to do, 
but a paucity of literature around middle managers and their support and their development. And so from here, I, 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 I sort of took it on myself to, to make this more intentional for our organization. The other thing, in the last five years, I've had the opportunity to help other organizations around their quality improvement work. Uh, and I've been able to assess well over 100 hospitals in that amount of time. And these themes of that critical connection between the middle manager and the frontline staff came through with almost every one of them. And, and it was a major determinant of the performance at the front line. Why I believe this is important is because, frankly, there is so much improvement that needs to occur within healthcare. Um, if we look at where we are, um, the gross national product and the quality of the care we give, we are slowly, if you will, strangling economically in this country. We have to do more quicker to be able to organize our care and to provide the care as efficiently and as effectively as we can. So the pace of improvement has to increase. There really is only one way to do that, and that is to grow the capacity to improve. And as long as the people who are responsible for improvement are a small cadre of people in the quality department, we will never get there. We have to engage that army of frontline staff within this work. And we come back to, again, who is responsible for development of that frontline and who is responsible for creating the environment by which they can do this. That comes right back to the people report. And so this is a critically important aspect of this work. Another reason it's important is we have a challenge with respect to sustainability of our good work. Hey, hey Dave, 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 just want yeah. to, so I just want to make sure, because I don't want anyone to miss anything. So um, something I thought we, we tried to smooth out. Can you make sure you're as front on with whatever little microphone or anything you're using right now so that we don't miss a word? Just want to make okay. sure. Okay, is this better? Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Major. I appreciate it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it's, too, it's too valuable to miss. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. No, glad to. Okay. Well, we, we struggle with sustainability. Probably everyone on this call has seen very good improvement initiatives and efforts occur only to wane over time. How frustrating is that? And, and if you think about who is responsible for sustaining the work, well, in most other industries, that is the role of management, and certainly I think that's true in healthcare as well. So asking the same question, do our middle managers have what they need to sustain the good work that occurs? All right. And then finally, truly the wisdom of what's broken and the wisdom of what the opportunities are lie at the front line. And again, there is that connection with respect to the managers to enable the front line to contribute. Um, so there is the why I think this is important. The what that has to occur is, and we have the slide up on the screen. Oh, go back to the last slide for me a sec, March. This one right here, Madge. This is, you know, what we have to do is create the system of improvement. And within the system, there are specific roles, responsibilities, and actions that must occur at each level. The frontline staff within a highly performing organization needs to perform the work reliably in a standard manner as much as possible. And when problems do occur, they need to be able to see them, and it must be safe for them to surface those problems to the organization. 
And as I said earlier, they must participate within the improvement because they're the ones with the most knowledge as to what needs to improve. So who is responsible for creating the frontline environment? They're middle managers. So what do the middle managers need to be able to do so? Well, we talk about visual management in the work that I do. They have to make the status of performance as apparent as possible. And uh, visual management boards with very active process measures, very current data, needs to be uh, on those boards and an analysis of those and the actions you take. Um, also, they need a tool and an approach by which the problems that rise can be solved to root cause, such that the problems don't come back to haunt the next caregiver. And that can be done through, for those people using Lean, A3, for those people using the IHI model of improvement, the small test of change in PDSA. And what needs to, you know, who is responsible, if you will, for creating the environment for the middle? Well, that is the executive staff. In my mind, the most important job of the executive team is the support and the development of the middle manager. And in turn, the most important job of the middle manager is the support and the development of the front line. And how that gets done is through the coaching and the mentoring and the organizational uh, approach to improvement that needs to occur throughout the organization. Okay. So I'm there, there is a long answer to your short question. <laughs> you know, Dave does a lot of work. Um, with any luck, Dave will, I, I'm, I'm almost confident Dave will be at our forum this year uh, sharing more of this. He's uh, certainly been part of other programs here at IHI. Dave, I want to just flash up a couple of other slides very quickly that folks will be looking at. So, uh, John, sure. let's go back to one. This was the sort of uh, current state, future state uh, process design. So this would be a little bit about how, and um, just talk us through, we'll just take a minute, Dave, just talk us quickly through these slides. This one that's up here about current sure. state, yeah. Be glad to. First of all, what I think is important as you step towards improvement of, of any care process you have is to know where you are. Um, we have a saying that every problem has a simple solution that's wrong, and that's because we don't haven't spent enough time to understand the actual problem we have in the, in the detail we need to study it. So start with knowing where you are, what your current state is. If you know that deeply enough, then the potential solutions become much more apparent. And you try those solutions. You experiment. You do small tests of change. You do PDSA uh, as you mature the solutions that occur. Then you deploy those in the organizations, and middle managers have a critical role in the deployment of these improvements and sustaining them, which is what we mean by control. And then finally, you need to scale and spread the good work. The knowledge sharing is critically important uh, around this work. So here, here's where we start with where we are, design and innovate and, and control those innovations, and then spread those good good uh, good uh, examples throughout the organization. All right, and then just... And then uh, Madge also had a, a, a picture up there of a schematic of a visual management board. Yeah. Where with, within this, an effective board has to have where you are, which are, I love line graphs and run charts. Data over time to me is one of the most powerful data elements you can have. So start with where you are and then analyze why you're there and why you have the problems you have how common are they and what are the most important ones, if you will, Pareto analysis. From that Pareto, launch small tests of change. 
and improve the problems that you have, the most important problems on your unit. And then finally, what is the daily management activity? What huddles are you doing on a daily basis to reflect on the work that happened yesterday? And then what are you going to do to improve it today? So my, I would, my heaven, if you will, around going into a hospital is to see this type of activity and intentionality occurring on every unit that I walk into. All right. Well, hold these thoughts, everyone, uh, and uh, we'll be really uh, looking forward to questions from all of you for Dave. And let's uh, see uh, now, uh, you know, how things can get reinforced and augmented some more from our other guests. All right, John, but very quickly. Thank you, Dave. Stephanie, next. But first, let's take a quick look at our poll. Uh, dun da 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 Let's see, John, will the results come up? Coming up as we speak. Here we go. Okay, so we've got a little over 500 of you on. Some people didn't give an answer, and um, sorry if in any way you didn't, uh, uh, something didn't apply, but um, interesting, we've got a lot of middle managers and senior managers here. So that's actually very, very important because I think there's a lot of dynamic there around mentoring that can be really critical between senior and middle manager. So, um, and uh, Dave maybe will be pleased to see, at least in this poll, people are saying maybe they do have a fair amount of uh, support to do what they need to do. So not everyone, but uh, maybe it's not as bad as we thought. So thank you. We have another quick poll that we're going to do in the show, so stand by for that. All right, Stephanie. uh, So, uh, Calcasola, we're so glad you're here. So what's happening with middle managers at Bay State, and does Dave have it right in terms of some of the underutilization um, and some maybe bigger thinking that needs to happen uh, to surround the role of the middle manager? And thanks again. Oh, thank you. What a pleasure to be here and listen and, and participate and share our stories. Dave definitely has it right. You know, at, at Bay State, we're a large hospital or an integrated health system with over 700 beds and over 11,000 employees in this whole network. And um, even our core values of commitment to quality and improvement, it's really difficult to uh, bring that work to the front line um, in a way that's meaningful to uh, invoke change that's positive for, to the improvement in health care. And as you know, the demand for adding value to health care, responding to national health care trends and, you know, creating that patient-centered organization, it's, it's just critical that we get this right around improvement capacity and building it, specifically with middle managers. You know, all our systems are very dynamic. We're working in environments um, that are very challenging. And in my role as the director, I can really speak to the pragmatic of what Dave is uh, referring to around how do you do the work. I oversee a central quality department, and my team and I work with frontline teams and have our struggles and challenges at times. We are so privileged that we get to work closely with the managers around improvement. Um, but I would like to share that the role of the middle manager, if you view it in a way that's very narrowly defined, um, we may be missing key leaders who have um, such uh, impact on influencing uh, the knowledge and the standard work of that unit. For example, at Bay State, you know, we have positions that are supervisors and assistant managers, and we have employees, specifically in some of the allied health programs, that are on recognition programs, and there are high potentials. And um, we like to target some of the improvement work um, and training at this level as well, knowing there are future leaders. So that's something to consider when you define middle management. You want to have a broad uh, a broad net for that. Um, 
I was intrigued by an article I was reading um, in Advancing Leadership Capacity in Nursing, and Scott and Miles have shared this important point that when you look at leadership and improvement, you need to see, um, especially in nursing, it's a dimension of practice for all nurses, not just formal nurses and manager roles, and uh, we really need to expand this thought for all employees working in healthcare. They all need to have that ability. I really enjoyed listening uh, to Dave share his framework on interlinking responsibilities around continuous improvement. And I can share the example for, for Bay State that uh, our strategic goals are cascaded from the system down to the hospital to the department and the unit of service, and that helps align and uh, provide shared vision for the organization. Um, but the heavy lifting is really around um, how will we know we are being effective in, in, in building improvement capacity. You know, I always think about what are we going to measure to know that we are successful, and you may measure process measures around how many middle managers you train or how many leaders attend training. Um, are they using visual management systems? Are they updated? Um, but I, what is difficult to measure is the outcome of these efforts, and this is how effective are our managers working with frontline staff. Uh, they need to be able to work on diverse teams. They need to be able to define and refine standard work. I um, mean, I do worry about the systems we they work in. Um, we need to be able to provide that support. A strategy that we've done at Bay State um, is we tested last year with our central quality department participation in the IHI leading quality improvement essential for managers. And um, in this slide that is showed right now, it is an overview of the program, but it's, it shows very nicely the core competencies around building improvement. And we really followed the primary and secondary drivers around ensuring our skill set within this so that when we are coaching, we can be at our best for our, our, the teams we support. It has been extremely helpful. And what we're doing this year is we're testing this now on middle managers and uh, leaders um, in a classroom style. And, and Dave's faculty has been a, a wonderful programmer. And I, class four is next week. Um, and we have nine uh, very engaged uh, leaders participating together. Uh, the challenge we face with uh, supporting improvement and teaching improvement and getting the engagement at the front line is finding time for them to learn, to think, and develop. Uh, they're working in the trenches. They're caring for patients. They're supporting themselves, their teams. And uh, our role is to be able to find creative ways to support their, their development and how they can uh, access the tools they need to do improvement work at that core microsystem. Another strategy that has been helpful, and we're still refining this work, is we've now partnered our central quality team with our um, managers of the unit, our nurse managers, so they have one-stop shopping. We're still working on the structure, but the uh, responses that we've been receiving from not only the managers but my team around how nice it is to work directly um, on whatever that manager defines as the need for that moment um, it really has solidified the relationship and then the push and the pull of each other, you know, as the teams consulted, um, they're creating quite a collaborative relationship. We have historically had a, a robust online improvement toolkit, and we use it for just-in-time training and need. And what we're finding now is we really need to blend our tools so that it's seamless shopping or seamless access for our, our middle managers. And we're currently working on integrating improvement methods and improvement science and lean frameworks into one toolkit so that it is seamless to our, our clinical teams. Our, our teams, we provide consultation as a way to also um, help uh, in any way capacity, and I believe the role of the central improvement team can be very helpful to remove barriers for the clinical teams. 
that we can act as resources, provide our expertise on improvement science, and we can guide the teams to ask the right questions and then support the work around testing, measurement, and spread. I'd like to just end with some of the challenges teams have around doing improvement work is they want to boil the ocean, and it's our role is to help them define what is a a meaningful test, how can we manage the data correctly, and in one of my slides I provided the the, the seven spreadly sins of, of doing improvement work, and I think our role is in central departments is to help the clinical teams work in a way that's manageable. I am so privileged to work in an organization that values improvement work. Uh, we are moving uh, our performance to become a patient-centered organization, and I, I, I think we all can agree it's not easy work, but it will be essential to uh, our, our care regionally as well as nationally to improve that value. And who better than frontline staff to do this, to partner with us? Um, we need to be able to focus our attention on driving out waste and, and redesign care models. And, um, the work that Dave is doing and the faculty has been very helpful in the work that we're doing here at Bay State Medical Center. Thank, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, really, really interesting. And I think what I really appreciate about your remarks, Stephanie, is also it's it's very much kind of what it looks like uh, in, in any organization. And I think uh, it's really, we, we talk a lot about the improvement initiatives, and part of what we're trying to do here is see if we can um, do some discerning of the roles and functions and capabilities that people need to do their jobs well wherever they're located in the organization. Um, for some further thoughts on that, we're going to now turn to Kadar, and uh, Kadar works mightily with others here at IHI on uh, improvement capability and whatever innovations uh, can be developed. He's doing that both uh, with the groups here in this country and elsewhere. So I guess I'll ask you, why do you think there's been sometimes a blind spot with respect to middle managers in QI? And what have you seen from some of your own work about both the problems and potential solutions? And welcome again. Well, thank you. And thank you very much, Madge, and uh, both to Dave and Stephanie for the opportunity to be with all of you. Um, Clearly, this has uh, drummed up a significant amount of interest. You've got more than 500 people on the on the lines right now listening in on this uh, program. So, uh, I think we're we're attuned to the fact that middle managers uh, are are so very important to this uh, uh, <clears throat> process of improvement and and spreading innovations and trying to sustain them in our healthcare delivery organizations around the world. I, I think I, you know one one question. Your first question was around. Um, you know, why has there been or, you know, what's the degree of this blind spot with regards to research on middle managers? And Dave, uh, you alluded to this. Uh, Dave described a paucity of information about, uh, you know, about uh, middle managers in particular. And, and, and I think that's exactly right. There's a lot written about senior leadership, tremendous amount written about physician engagement, lots written about executive management of improvement. And actually pretty significant amount of attention that's paid to the front lines. Uh, deservingly, all of these are deserving. Uh, lots of research and effort and energy on methods and science for improving frontline engagement. Um, but there's something about the, the managers in between where the, the research sort of thins out. And uh, the peer-reviewed literature, the great literature, uh, it, you know, really doesn't have a tremendous amount of, uh, of uh, you know, a, a rich amount of information there. Uh, from a research point of view, I think that's true. From a 
from a um, <clears throat> from a from the community of people trying to actually make improvements, the quality improvement community. I, I don't think we share this blind spot. I, you know, I, I would I would contest that. I think that, in fact, quality improvers um, in healthcare, as well as in other industries, are are very aware of the value of, of middle managers. You know, the, the discussion that we've had already uh, suggests that there's uh, great value to middle managers in this particular way. Uh, what makes uh, the middle managers unique? Well, they have this incredibly uh, uh, important opportunity to, to couple kind of the strategy of the organization that's often set at the top but sometimes derived from uh, work at the bottom and informed by the work at the front line. And they have the ability to couple that with knowledge of operations. That's in many ways what makes uh, the role of the middle manager so important, this idea of being able to blend strategy uh, with operations, inform strategy as well as develop more robust and important operations. And that's kind of at the heart of what it takes to be uh, effective and excellent middle manager. I, I think quality improvement people, uh, folks uh, are, are pretty aware of this, and, um, and as, as they are in other industries in some ways. And, and, and here's an example. There was a study published um, uh, six years ago, or sorry, it was, it was published uh, in 2001, but it was a six-year study about middle managers published in Harvard Business Review. Um, and researchers uh, studying a telecommunications company, a uh, series of companies actually, but one of the companies they were studying was a, was a telecommunications company. And they found that you know middle managers made uh, very valuable contributions. This won't surprise anybody on, on the phone. Um, and it confirms Dave's theory, but middle managers made very valuable contribu- contributions to realizing uh, radical changes within any organization. And one of the ways in which they studied this was they looked at this, this company and they found that, you know, the company was trying to implement a major strategic initiative, and that initiative had 100-plus discrete projects that they were launching in support of that new initiative. Those projects that were led by senior managers, senior leaders, uh, failed 80% of the time, uh, while the ones that were led by middle managers uh, had the opposite success rate. They had 80% success rate. Um, so the clear example of how middle managers, in the end, really matter to implementing strategy, connecting strategy to operations at the front line. Um, so the second part of your question, uh, Madge, is, you know, what have I observed and what, what can we do to help um, middle managers improve and help their improve their capability to make changes? Uh, and there I think it's important to kind of really understand, you know, some of what the middle manager really does. and. At the end of the day, I think that the primary role of the middle manager is to help translate strategy to operations, as I mentioned earlier, um, and remove any barriers that the front line has to making progress, making improvements happen. And I think they do that in, in these four ways, and this is, again, derived from the management literature. Uh, they, they, they synthesize and communicate information. Um, they uh, ensure reliable implementation. They are responsible in many ways for frontline implementation of strategy. Uh, they have the ability to source ideas from the field, from the front lines, um, and use that information to champion alternatives to the existing or prevailing strategy. And they have the ability to use their knowledge of uh, operations, their knowledge of strategy to adapt the strategic moves by the organization to make things happen uh, better and for the front, uh, implement better in the front lines. So, you know, it's these four things, uh, synthesizing, communicating, influencing, uh, uh, implementing, and adapting that I think uh, 
middle managers do so much uh, important work on. And if we're going to try to improve uh, middle managers' capability, I, I believe that it's we've got to strengthen their ability to do these four things um, in some in some in some way. There is some research that's been done by uh, colleagues at uh, the University of North Carolina, Sarah Birkin, uh, who I think I believe is on the phone with us today. Uh, but Sarah's team at UNC uh, has studied uh, this issue of how to strengthen uh, middle managers now for some time and. The research that she's uh, beginning to produce and beginning to conduct starts to show the relationship of something we were talking about earlier, the, the relationship between middle managers and senior managers really, really matters. So two of the big audiences on this call, it, it, there's empiric evidence now from, from, Sarah, uh, from Sarah's work that shows that, uh, in fact, leaders, top-level leaders that support uh, um, and provide you know, constructive review of performance as well as constructive feedback and, and, and give middle managers the space and recognition to, to thrive, those are the middle managers that, that succeed and, and who have the uh, greater ability to improve and greater ability to uh, uh, transform the front uh, enable the front lines to transform. So in the end, I think if we're going to try to help middle managers improve, I think it comes down to giving them credit and valuing their insights um, and uh, helping them uh, make the connection between top top-level management, um, as well as with the front line. Thank you, uh, Kadar. Really appreciate it. It sort of brings brings it all together. I appreciate that. Um, all right. I We uh, kind of snuck up on you with the poll even before Kadar got a chance to sort of describe those four quadrants in terms. So uh, if you were good sports, you, you, uh, you took part in it, and it looks like you did. So thank you. So I'll just ask uh, any one of you, just before we go to chat, if you want to comment, looks like people saw themselves largely, in this poll anyway, as influencers, kind of close tie almost uh, with implementer synthesizer. Not too many people said adapter, and um, that's an interesting one that we might think about. Uh, any quick thoughts about this, uh, Kador? You're looking at the results as I'm seeing them too? Well, you know, I think that um, it's it's quite likely that uh, in that uh, diagram that you know it it could be blended with implementer. You know, the the idea is that uh, you know facilitating adaptation of strategy, adaptation of uh, innovations to the front line. Um, you know, that could be regarded as being part of implementation or ensuring you know effective implementation. So I can see how uh, folks might see those two as being related or linked, and uh, there may be some convergence there, and, and that may be the reason for that. Uh, okay. All right, sounds mm -hmm. good. Uh, influencer, uh, quick, Dave, uh, before we go to chat, uh, and any thoughts on, on uh, these quadrants uh, and also the fact that it looks like a lot of people um, did see themselves as, or at least of the 158 of you who responded to the poll, uh, saw that yourselves, themselves uh, as influencers? Well, I, th I think I'm, I'm ecstatic that this is the case. I think, you know, inherent in the term influencers is somebody who coaches others versus, if you will, a commander um, that tells them what to do. And I think critically important to the development of the front line and the engagement is the ability to influence them without necessarily controlling them per se. So I, I'm, I'm ecstatic with these type of results and very happy to see it. Critically important within this work is that influence, and and therefore through that influence and experience, the development of the front line. 
Okay, thank you very much. All right, folks, for starting to chat in, we're thrilled. Thanks for taking part in the polls and for listening to our wonderful guests today. And uh, John, just a quick reminder to everyone about how to take part in the chat. Yep, just make sure that your questions and comments are directed to all participants down in the send to bar uh, in the chat. All right, sounds good. All right, uh, the first question came right up. I guess, Peg, uh, you, were, you were right there uh, ready to ask that question. She says, what does middle manager, what does a middle manager do if the frontline staff are highly resistant to change, especially if they are highly knowledgeable expert professionals? Um, have heard it said that the rule of three-eighths prevails. They will greet suggestions of change from outside by first Oh boy, assisting. Well, you can all read it. I think I'm, I don't need to read this uh, aloud. I hope everyone knows what the three eights are, and if you ch chat in, if you want more clarification on that, let's let's start with that. So we're talking about people who are resistant to change, and let's not forget when we're talking about front lines, uh, we are often talking about other professionals and people with a lot of uh, expertise. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you know diminishing knowledge and education and experience by any stretch uh, in the way we're working in healthcare today. Um, Dave, um, maybe from your work, any thoughts on that? Well, it's it's interesting, and, and this sort of speaks into change management and change management tools and techniques and approaches. And, and also, we as physicians and nurses and and other providers have been trained in, in what's termed the professional practice model, where we've been trained as experts. And, and, and so inherently when someone tells us to do something that within our paradigms and experience doesn't mix, there is this natural reaction that can occur. So I think what needs to occur if you are the person's supervisor is, is to realize this. One of, my, one of my favorite comments around change management is people aren't afraid of change you're afraid of loss. And so going to the Socratic method with these people to say, help me understand more deeply what your concerns are with this issue, number one. And see if you can get into those discussions at a deeper level as to why they are resisting this and working with them on it. The other, the other tool I think for this is reflect upon the, your, your process improvement um, model from from the get-go, go upstream to ask this question. These people on the front line, have they been involved early on with respect to the design of the new solution or not? Did we design it uh, without their involvement and then tell them to do something, which, frankly, you can expect some modicum of resistance there? Or did we engage them in the solution itself? And you might find less. So I think looking at how we went about um, deciding upon change uh, I think is worth looking at or reflecting internally and then diving deeply with them through questions around tell me more tell me more deeply why you have concerns about this and sometimes what we'll do when we see that is we'll actually come up with a village feedback might necessitate a course correction yeah, okay. of the change in the post all right we're losing every other word there Dave stay with us with that front <laughs> okay. Okay, that's good. I think we, I, I think we've got it. I, I appreciate that. Um, okay, go ahead. Madge, I just want to here. This is Kadar. Uh, yeah, you know, this is an interesting question about how to, you know, improve the uh, motivate and galvanize the front line. And in fact, I think the question actually 
uh, once again, for me, highlights the value of the middle manager. In the same Harvard Business Review study that I was describing earlier about the telecommunications company, um, the investigators that were doing that study uh, found that most of the middle managers, on average, had a longer tenure in both healthcare and non-healthcare industries. They had a longer tenure than some of the senior executives in the organization. And what does that mean? So that, what does that do for an organization? It means that the middle managers have these interesting and, and intricate, often, network of relationships uh, with departments, with front lines, with uh, other uh, uh, influencers within the organization. And they tend, to be, uh, they tend to have the tools available to them to potentially um, influence and motivate that might not otherwise be available to uh, senior executives who are two or three levels removed from the front line. So just to, just to suggest that, you know, uh, uh, recognizing the comment that sometimes the front lines uh, can be resistant, especially with expert and knowledgeable staff, uh, other professions, uh, but this may, in fact, point up, for me, the value of the middle manager who, uh, you know, knows the organization well, has a sense of the history of the organization, and, and has the relationships uh, and, and the history with it to, to really uh, – it, it, you know, make the kind of influencers uh, uh, play a role and, and make a change happen. Thank you. This is Madge. I'd love to just share a little Please. bit um, that's helped me over the time. Um, I, I, in my previous role, have been a nurse manager as well as a clinical nurse specialist, and I totally understand that professional practice model and trying to get change at that front line. Um, and a, a, a couple things that have uh, been helpful is one is understanding just the change theory around the early adopters and uh, late adopters and, and things like that, not to get discouraged. And Dave mentioned a little bit about that uh, in the conceptual framework. Um, a couple of strategies that might be helpful is um, I really found uh, the, the book uh, Switch from Chip and Dan Heath to be very helpful in uh, understanding change and uh, understanding how to um, respond to different environments from the heart and the head, um, and that might be a strategy just to feel more aware and uh, get a little bit more understanding. Um, that can help um, to do improvement work. And the use of storytelling to highlight those bright spots that are doing very well um, eventually will help change culture, um, and um, I think uh, that that might help uh, that participant who asked the question around how do you, how do you to do that, or at least have a better understanding. And I have found those resources very helpful to me um, when I'm feeling frustrated and feeling like I'm not making a difference. And sometimes it's just time. Um, and then, are they connecting the, um, the the work to the performance improvement um, and the performance goals of those employees? Um, we do a, a really good job at implementing or saying we're going to do a ton of programs and yet we forget to evaluate performance quarterly or mid-year and give feedback and keeping that loop very active on that unit of service um, can help um, drive change. Um, it takes work to keep that infrastructure and that follow-up going, but um, and then people will know what they're accountable for when they're getting routine feedback as well. Those are things that have helped me over the years, um, especially when things have not been always going as well as I had hoped or on the, on the timeline that we had anticipated. Thanks, Stephanie. Uh, you might also, let me, let me hear what folks say, you might also have some thoughts uh, about, there's a couple questions that seem to relate to this. 
How do you navigate and mitigate? Well, there's two different questions, I guess. They're maybe related. How do you navigate and mitigate situations where the middle managers are hired based on clinical expertise versus management skills? So that's one question. And maybe related, the fact that there's organizational tension, William Fuller is pointing out, between clinical and non-clinical staff and leaders, and that this isn't a small issue. So cultures of respect, he's saying, are critical to success. So two maybe sort of related things, which just have to do maybe with the experience, background, education, um, tensions around clinical and non-clinical. Uh, is, Kadar, is the sense here, or Dave, that somehow middle managers may not be uh, the clinical staff themselves? Um, I don't know what the implication is here, but go, go for it, those questions. So let me start with you, Dave. Well, you know, this, I think this is one of the more common challenges we have in middle management in clinical care, and that is hiring very passionate and successful and hardworking nurses into management roles and then not giving them the developmental support to learn management tools. And so I think one of the opportunities in front of organizations is to recognize that as an issue and to recognize the support that's needed for these very good clinicians, these very dedicated people in learning management techniques. And that can come through, obviously, courses or instruction, but that can also come through coaching. It's interesting, a lot of the executives that that they report to may have management disciplines, and this is a perfect opportunity to coach them into these skill sets. Okay. With respect to the clinical and, and the non-clinical, the, uh, the, uh, the tensions between the two, um, certainly those, those exist in hospitals, and my my advice around how to mitigate that is to try to establish a relationship with the people, non-clinical and clinical. Um, be intentional about, you know, seeing each other's units and their worlds and their work. If you if you go about actually trying to build relationships, a lot of those barriers come down. Um, the connections between the clinical and non-clinical are very important to have working well. Uh, if they aren't, you sub-optimize your ability to give the best care that you can. Okay. Thank you very much. Kadar, any thoughts on that? I'm curious uh, if that's something, uh, I don't know whether there's literature on it, but I'm particularly interested in this issue about tensions between clinical and non-clinical. And as a clinical person, I'm curious what your experience has been. Uh, they, there may very well be a, a literature on this topic, Madge. I, I don't know that literature terribly well, so I couldn't speak authoritatively on it. But um, you know, as, as Dave is rightly saying, this is a this is an issue that plays out um, in uh, healthcare delivery organizations all the time. And um, I think that uh, somewhere in the chat, I, I saw there was a, a discussion about respecting the the values of and the the value that both uh, communities and both uh, the sets of expertise uh, brings to any uh, particular implementation challenge. Um, and I think that's at the heart of it. It's about relationship and respect for um, the, the perspective that uh, a clinical perspective as well as a managerial perspective and, and what those two different perspectives might offer uh, to solving a problem. So, Thanks very much. There's also um, some, my screen of course has gone to the, whoops, let me see. I can't seem to get it. All right, somebody's going to come around. Whoops, give them my mouse. Sorry about that. 
<laughs> so I can see all of you. There I am. You didn't know I disappeared, but I knew I disappeared. Okay, everybody. So uh, there's another question here about burnout uh, and uh, or people being overwhelmed by improvement initiatives. This is something we've talked about on a couple of different WIHIs. Uh, Chris Hayes, who is a fellow here at IHI, physician up in Canada, has done some interesting work on this, a maximally, if I can say that many syllables, uh, adoptable improvement. He's got a neat website talking about that issue. Are middle managers helpful around this issue of workload, managing the operational side of improvement initiatives? Uh, Stephanie, let me throw that one to you. Sure. Thanks, Madge. Um, I think middle managers are just as um, stressed around the uh, the burden of work and production demand. And so, and so, the, my responses would include how we um, support the middle managers who are probably feeling the same pressures as the clinical teams that they're they're leading. Um, you know, one of our cha our, our jobs and improvement is to um, help them pick realistic goals as to what we want to work on and and what is the value that they want to work on and. Um, for example, if we, they, you know, some units I'll go on and they'll have uh, dashboards with processes they've been measuring for very long with the same 100% performance that have not really any impact on clinical care, and they may have at, the, at one point. And so the discussion is what's important to the team, what's important to the staff, what are you seeing in your day-to-day -day work, and some of that um, will then drive energy um, and connectedness to the work, and, and I think increase joy at work and engagement because they'll be working on improvement that they've identified uh, problems to. And um, I, I think that might help reduce some of the burnout. And then I, I think as a system and as leaders, we, we owe it to our middle managers to provide time and ways for the system to support thinking, strategic thinking, um, planning thinking time. Um, we ask a lot at that level to be able to respond to the front staff as well as translate the organizational goals at the strategic level. And it's a very uh, challenging position. So I think uh, we have to recognize the, um, the realness of burnout and then provide tools and resources that can cut some of the work demands that may not be providing that, that value. Um, and, and those are some things um, we, we have tried to do here at Bay State. And I'm continually struggling with it. You want to give them a lunch meeting, then provide them lunch, but then they don't have any time to sit and reflect because we've just now taken their whole day and their, and their break. So um, I don't have the, the, you know, the, the perfect answer. Um, I think it's a real uh, concern that we have to be aware of. Um, but again, connecting the work that is important to those that are doing it, I, I think there's an answer in that because it really will help help um, provide them with, um, you know, that joy that what they're actually working on is affecting uh, patient care or that unit of service that they, that they, they work in. Thank you very much. Um, I, there's, an in, there's a couple of interesting questions, um, and uh, one has to do, well, somebody asked a little bit more about uh, learning how to fail fast and learn and, and kind of move on and uh, tied to uh, perhaps the managerial role or middle management role. Uh, somebody else is also asking, I thought this is a great, well put, who is ultimately responsible for managing the pace of change across the organization? And how do we ensure that we are all not drawn to the shiny new thing in QI work? 
um, again, uh, you know, pertaining to the pace of change, uh, the management of that change. I'm sure it relates to some of your quadrants uh, at KDAR in terms of making sense of all of this. Uh, Dave, why don't I throw that one to you? This is, this is a critical but hard question. You know, ultimately, the pace of change needs to be, if you will, governed by the leadership. Um, but in order for the leadership to do that successfully, you have to have a pulse on your organization to know what the work burdens are and what their capacity is and what programs are on their plate already. Uh, and this is related, actually, to the last question of overburden. Um, I remember going into an organization, and they asked me to help them with coming up with why their turnover rate in their director and manager level was literally 40% per year. So I, one of my initial questions for them was, show me the job descriptions of these people from 15 years ago. Show me the job descriptions from these people now. And, and what I saw was... Um, the job responsibilities had grown by approximately 150% over the course of 15 years. And when I interviewed these people, frankly, they had jobs that were not feasible. There was way too much on their plates. And so, you know, I went back to the leadership team and said, this is probably the shortest engagement I've ever had because I think I have the answer for you, but I don't think you're going to like the answer. And the answer is you have to actually find a way to take less important things off of people's plates. Um, uh, and they hadn't really, you know, they sort of had a suspicion about that, but what they had not done was the due diligence that I had done for them in literally a few hours' time. And so you know, the ultimate pace of change may need to come from the leadership, but it cannot be done in isolation. It must be done uh, with conversations and knowledge and opinion of those people from the middle and the front line. Thank you very much. And uh, just a reminder, thanks, Dave. Those are really interesting. I, I want to just two things. First of all, uh, John's going to make a John Gothier here is going to make a quick comment. Anyone who feels that they missed anything on the show today, uh, a reminder: everything's posted to ihi.org tomorrow. All the audio, the resources, the chat, etc. So don't despair. Uh, when you log off the program today, you can also download uh, some of that. Uh, John. Yeah, Madge. Well, thanks. Uh, today's program was all about helping managers support and implement improvement. Um, and one way to jumpstart those managers and the rest of your staff is uh, to become an IHI Passport member. Uh, Passport membership grants you unlimited participation in IHI expeditions, which are two to four month web-based learning programs uh, where you and your colleagues can learn how to accelerate your efforts and improve patient care and satisfaction. Becoming a Passport member also makes you eligible for discounts on other great learning opportunities here at IHI, such as our National Forum and the Open School. So for more information, visit IHI.org slash Passport. All right. Thanks so much, John. John, when you get a second, can you put in, there's a nice uh, slide that uh, Dave put together, a manager's, a middle manager's story, and I just want to make sure, we're not going to go into that story, but I think that sort of has a lot of the elements we've been talking about today embedded in this uh, short vignette, so I wanted to make sure people were aware of that. Well, this has been uh, a fantastic discussion. We're going to go around the horn for some final remarks from everyone. 
Um, one question that I uh, was going to put out there myself today, but maybe uh, as some of my kind of parting ideas, it, we always say around here at IHI, what would you like somebody to do more of or less of um, in their roles and functions, and as we all try to relate smoothly as teams, and um, that might be something to ponder as well as we think about working across the organization and everyone's contributions. Um, so let's go around. I also want to thank everyone who's put in uh, references to literature and your own experience and stuff. You're, you, you guys are all, as I said at the beginning, you're all the experts on today's call. This is how we're building our knowledge base. All right, let me start with uh, Stephanie. Um, you know, just some final thoughts to, to leave our guests with today, and thanks again for taking part. Thank you, Madge. What, a, what an honor. Uh, you know, for final thoughts, I think we're all wanting to have the same uh, shared goal of uh, the mission of improving health care uh, for our patients and families and to increase that value and the frustrations that middle managers and frontline staff have around trying to juggle the priorities are the same frustrations but maybe in a different point of view that improvers and executives and senior teams have and so um, I think this webinar um, this this chat by WHI forum is very helpful in just learning from other strategies that um, may work um, in your organization um, I'm very honored to have had the opportunity to to share with, with everyone today thank you so much Stephanie and I hope we can tap into uh, your work and all your thinking again so appreciate it uh, Dave, some final thoughts from you for today. <laughs> yes, just a heartfelt thank you to everyone on this call for what you do. Um, your work is critically important to the care that the patients give. And, and, and one, of my, one of my goals is to grow the awareness around the, your roles and the support that you need around those roles. So I just want to put out a great thank you on this. Um, just a reminder that I think your most important job is the development of your frontline staff because the entire team is more powerful than any individual. And, and your work will actually be more fulfilling and possibly easier as you engage more and more of the frontline within the improvement that you need. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, you were really instrumental as well in, in planning today, so I appreciate it. Kadar, uh, some uh, wisdom to leave us with today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, thanks again, Madge, and to the audience for, for the opportunity. Uh, I echo Dave's comment. This, this, uh, those of you on the, on the phone that are either in leadership positions or middle manager positions, uh, frontline positions, you guys are the ones uh, making all this happen, and uh, I think uh, a heartfelt thanks to all of you for, for doing that. Um, in the end, for me, that the action occurs at the front lines. The action of improvement happens at the front lines. That's where, you know, rubber meets the road and where the improvement actually takes place. And the managers sitting, uh, you know, within those microsystems are the ones that are enabling that action to occur. And I think in the end that the, the principal job and work of the middle managers to just take the obstacles, whatever obstacles are in the way to making improvement happen at the front lines, that's the primary job, and, and many of you are doing that incredibly well. So it's a pleasure to be with you and, and uh, happy to be thinking and turning our attention to this topic. Thanks, Kato, for uh, the time today and in prepping for the show. Same to you, Dave, and same to you, Stephanie. I want to thank all our guests as well. Next up on WIHI on April 9th, wow, we're really getting into spring now. All hands on deck to reduce C. difficile 
got a great panel we're putting together for that, a very important issue. We're going to be teeing off some recent uh, publication in the New England Journal of Medicine. A reminder that you can download the chat and any slides we use from our discussion today. When you log off, you can also get them from info at IHI.org, or you can look for all the materials on IHI.org tomorrow. Jane Rossner puts up something uh, that stuck with her on the show uh, on our Facebook page, and we um, invite you to take a look at uh, at that as well. Any questions or you're missing anything or anything I said was confusing, please email info at IHI.org. They'll straighten you out. The people who help make WIHI possible include John Gothier, Matt Morse, Jameson Case, Vicki Minden, Jesse McCall, Jane Rossner, Val Weber, Mario Bello, and Ruth James. And it's my privilege to host a program that's about spirited learning and improving health and patient care most of all. So for the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, keep on learning, everyone. I'm Madge Kaplan. Good day. Music